I am grateful to know and understand, believe, have faith in the truth that there is only one. One energy. That energy we call, many of us call it God, spirit, the universe. You can call it what you want. There's just that one. And it has lots and lots of faces. (coughs) Pardon me. Lots of faces, lots of names, but it's still just one. So today, knowing that in our center, in my center, (coughs) wow, I'm getting all choked up. In my center, I know that I am of that one. I am one of that one. I know that to be true for all of us. Separate, yet not separate. Individualized expressions of the one. And as those individualized expressions of the one, we gather on these significant holidays to hug, to to express joy, to express togetherness. As I said in my morning prayer, we are gathered together to be fabulous. And I know that when I call fabulous, fabulous comes, so I call it all the time. And guess what? It comes all the time. So let's gather together today to be fabulous friends, fabulous lovers, fabulous community, knowing that because we call it, it comes, knowing that we can call other things, but let's call that. Let's call that fabulous, and you can break it down into compassion and joy and peace and harmony and laughter. You can break it down, but let's put it in the big basket and call it fabulous and say, yes, here it is. This is what it looks like. The heart swelling, the smiles, hard to break, hard to drop. The compassion, knowing not everybody is feeling fabulous today, but let's let it radiate out. Feel it. It's going out. And because it goes out, it comes back in. On the in-breath and the out-breath, fabulous. And that's how it works, because that's the law. And I'm awfully grateful to know this. I am awfully grateful that I can call it, I choose to call it, I am one of the, co- the horde of people who call it. And together we call it and the world gets better. And I release these words into that law that says always, yes, you bet. How high do you want me to jump? And we say as high as you can. And together we say, And so it is. Uh, So good morning again, and Merry Christmas again. This whole month we've been looking at celebrations of light. We've been honoring different paths and, and, uh, and how they celebrate light at this time of year. Because throughout the year, or throughout this month, throughout all cultures, this time of season, this season of the year, light is honored. And it's at the darkest time of the year for the Northern Hemisphere. 
And yet we still, and yet we honor that. So we've honored Advent. We've, that was our first Sunday. We honored Advent with the Advent candle. And I'm going to light the last of the Advent candles here for today. The week after that, we took a look at um, Bodhi Day. And by the way, the four aspects of, of Advent are hope, faith, joy, and peace. And so two weeks ago, we honored Bodhi Day, the day that we celebrate the enlightenment of the Buddha. Last week, we took a look at the solstice, the light and the dark of life, and the balancing and the, uh, the movement from dark to light that we do all experience as we, as we live. And so today, we look at Christmas, the Christmas story. And I'm going to do a spoiler alert. Okay, I told somebody here that I was going to do a spoiler. I can't remember. It was maybe Amy. Yeah. And she said, it's not about Star Wars, is it? And I said, no, but I did see it yesterday. <laughs> and it's really good. At, after the talk, our, Krisha, our flute player, is going to play a, a Fantasia by Telemann, which is perfect. It's, and because of Fantasia, the root word of that is fantasy, or it's the Latin for fantasy. And it's perfect because that's what Christmas is all about, is fantasy, yes? In case you don't know, it is. Okay. The whole birth fantasy, which is mostly made up by Luke with a little bit of input by uh, Matthew, nothing from Paul, Mark, or John about it. We've got Santa Claus and flying reindeer. Okay. And we've got the how Christmas is supposed to be idealized fantasy. Yes? Oh, yeah. Now you know what I'm talking about, right? And we got Frosty. I'm sorry, I shouldn't have left Frosty out. It's a fantasy that in reality should have died from a diabetic coma years ago for oversweetness, right? But it hasn't. And the interesting question is, why hasn't it? So first of all, I heard a whisper in there. I don't know what it was. Addiction, okay. In a way, that's true. Because, first of all, we all love a good fantasy, yes? We love a fantasy. All cultures throughout history had their fantasies. You know, the Greeks had their plays. The, the, you know, there's, there's all sorts of... In Taoism, in, in which I used to study, there's, there's writings where, where uh, Lao Tzu, who wrote the Tao Te Ching, and uh, Confucius are walking along having a conversation together, right? They lived 500 years apart from each other. They never met. It's a great fantasy for how to compare the two philosophies. We love our fantasies. Fantasies always point towards a deeper truth. A deeper truth. And to deep desires that live within us. That's what fantasies do for us. See, we don't want to just watch the adventures of Luke Skywalker, right? We want to grab a lightsaber or jump in an X-wing fighter and go fight the dark forces, right? Yes? Yes, thank you. Mm. We want to have a Harry Potter wand to go take on the Death Eaters, yes? No, we don't want to just, oh, that's nice over there. So what is Christmas call to us, to this, or the Christmas story call to within us? I'm going to step away from Christianity for a moment into Hinduism. How many of you expected Hinduism in a Christmas talk? Oh, a couple did. Okay, good. You know me. In Hindu, there are four yogas. There are four paths to spiritual freedom. 
The first one is called Raja. It's the meditation or contemplation path. Deep meditation, deep contemplation. The second one is Karma, doing good works and service. The third is Jhana, which is knowledge. And the fourth one is Bhakti, or devotion and participation. A deep devotion, a devotion so deep that you want to participate with that. These four paths exist within all of us, but we tend to favor one perhaps more than others. The Christmas story calls to the bhakti, the devotional, the, that love, deep, deep, deep love of spirit within us. Beneath all the stuff, beneath whether it actually happened or didn't actually happen, that's what it calls to, is that deep love of, of spirit within us. You know, the, four, the four celebrations of light that we've looked at this week, Ad, uh, the Advent calls to faith, the Bodhi Day calls to that wisdom and that deep meditation, solstice calls to the life energy, and Christmas calls to love. There's a song, I believe, called Christmas is Love. The innocent baby, we've got the idealized virgin mother, all of this called to the unborn spiritual potential within you and me. All of it called to that. All we call to that which is within us. Even Santa represents karmic yoga, right? The doing of good deeds by giving gifts. Okay? Christmas is a time to put aside our, our janana, our intellectual side. Because too much intellectualizing dampens the spirit of love. Dampens that devotional love. Right? Of course, we, we know... <laughs> Last night I was at a concert and... Uh, uh, um, Christy was sitting at the same table as me and a couple of other people came down because we didn't have a full table and joined us and partway through they asked about my ring and I said well I'm a minister and this is the, you know, uh, our teaching tradition I started talking about that and, and we mentioned Christmas and I said well you know the whole story is um, a, a made up story <laughs> and a couple minutes later they allowed us how they went to the Cal- Calvary Baptist Church and I saw, the, I saw them both kind of like look at me with this sort of what expression? <laughs> but it is a fictionalized story. I'm not going to go into all that detail. If you want more on that, read Bishop John Shelby Spong or any of those kind of Bible scholars. But the question is not, is it fiction? The question is, can we see and experience the love that this fiction is pointing at. Can we see and experience this deep truth? Not just know about it. Can we experience it? Can we be part of it? Can we let ourselves have that happen within us? Meister Eckhart, who was a 15th century Christian mystic, said, what good is it to me that Mary gave birth to the Son of God 1,400 years ago if I do not also give birth to the Son of God in my time and in my culture? We are all meant to be mothers of God. God is always needing to be born. So can we open to that experience? You know, as as religious scientists and, and also as late 20th, early 21st century Western cultures, we tend to be very janana. We tend to be very intellectual. We tend to be very factual and scientific and we want to know it all. Right, But even Ernest Holmes, later in his life, said, I focus so much on law, I wish I would have focused a little more on love in the teaching. That's the bhakti. That's the devotional. This devotional love can't be taught, but we all have it within us. 
you can all tap that place where you know the love of spirit. And even if it sometimes doesn't look like that, we have to substitute, you know, a person or a pet or chocolate or, <laughs> or whatever we do it. But it's that place that touches that love within us. So the season can, can confuse us, right? Okay. See, there are those who, like, like my friends last night, we all, all left on good terms, by the way, but like my friends last night who insisted on the factuality of the birth, or, or you know, there are people who do that, that can hold us back just as much, that can, that can hold, it, hold back the truth of, the deep truth of what's really happening, and it's as much of a position of the limited intellect as saying, oh, it's all fiction and it all doesn't matter and I'm just going to shut it down and pretend it doesn't happen. Okay? Either one of those is the intellect not willing to participate in the real deeper truth. So the myth calls us to look more deeply. It calls us to look more deeply within ourselves, within our own cave or stable out of which the new is being born, and to look as the shepherds looked, with awe, with wonder. So I'm going to ask, can you do that today? Are you willing to look at that with awe and wonder? So let's look at the components of the story, of this myth, of this fantasy, and what they might mean for us. So we look at the virgin birth, right? The virgin birth. And the virgin birth, if you know anything about cultural history, occurs in many, many cultures. Shows up in many, many places. You know, Mary is not the only virgin birth in all of the world, ever. The Buddha was supposedly born from a virgin birth and, and all sorts of things. So, but this virgin birth, which occurs in so many myths, symbolizes the spiritual rebirth within us that comes from the mother within us that has never been touched by our worldly circumstances. The virgin birth is our innocence, is our source from which our innocence, our wholeness is experienced. When I've worked with people who have been through difficult situations, I ask them, is there a part of you that you know has never been touched by all of that? And they can always say yes. Some were way deep down, sometimes buried because of all the circumstances. There's a sacredness. There's a virginness, if you will, a, an untainted, untouchedness of us. And we all possess that. And that is the virgin birth. And it gives birth to something new within us, the spirit that wants to express through us. And then the birth by legend these days takes place in a stable. Luke, by the way, never wrote that. Matthew definitely didn't write that. But it takes place in a stable. And the stable represents this cave, which is, again, a, a, a metaphor that happens in so many cultures. It's the metaphor, it's the symbolic of the, the cave out of which the sun emerges at the solstice and out of which the light emerges from within the dark that we all experience. And in this cave, there are symbolic visitors, according to this legend. First, we have the Magi. And the Magi are priests of Mithra, who is the lord of light in Zoroastrianism. Zoroastrianism was kind of the other competing religion in the world, in that localized version part of the world, uh, with, with the first Christians at that time. Zoroastrianism also had one god. It was, a, you know, many parts. So we have these magi. The root word, by the way, of magician. You know, studiers of the occult. 
who are there in the stable, supposedly. We also encounter the ass and the ox. And the ass and the ox are symbolic of the Egyptian gods Set and Osiris. Ancient religion. And they're all worshiping this new life. They're all there to honor and worship this new life, as though to say, our time has come to an end, and we are here to honor the new. When we move into a new spiritual birth or rebirth, our old, our past, gets left behind. But it honors the new that's being born. We needed the old path. We needed the darkness. We needed the journey to get to the place where we are now. You with me? Thomas Chord, a New Thought writer, said, My mind is a center of divine operation. The divine operation is always for expansion and fuller expression, the production of something beyond what has gone before. Something entirely new. Not included in the past experience, yet proceeding out of it by an orderly sequence of growth. This is the old Honoring the new. When we step into something new, we let go of the old. We look at it. And then finally in this story, there's the infant itself. This is, again, the innocent self. The new. The newness that wants to come forward through us. And we all have this. Nudge your neighbor, remind them they got some newness in them. you got a baby wanting to be born. Spiritual baby. And this infant itself, when it is ready to be born, there's no room at the inn for it, right? There's no room at the inn. And the inn, along with the jealous king in in, uh, Matthew, represents the world as it is. It represents the old that does not want that new to be born. How many of you have some resistance to the new being born in your life? I've got my hand up, so you can join me. Okay? We all, it's it's something that we encounter. It's It's when we want it to happen. The world as it is, our comfort zone doesn't want to get disrupted. And so it resists the new birth. And so there's no room at the inn. There's a king who goes and tries to kill all the, the kids who look like, you know, or represent that. It's our ego. It's our habits. It's our belief systems. It's, our, it's our, that which we're locked into doesn't want to have anything. It's struggling to maintain things as they are. Take a breath. The new king The new birth, the new life, must be born outside of the territory of the old. It doesn't belong there. It will eventually move into that, but it doesn't belong there at birth. It's too precious. It's too new, too fresh, too innocent to survive. That's why in in Matthew's version of the story, you get Jesus taken down to Egypt, which there's deeper symbolism of that also, but taken away from the place where the slaughter is supposedly going to take place, which, by the way, did not ever take place. When we talk about you can't get there from here when you're trying to manifest something new in your life, the consciousness that has you here cannot get you there. You can't manifest until you move into the consciousness that could manifest that, until you become the person, the new birth, the new energy, for whom that would be the new normal. The old kingdom no longer fits you, and you don't fit it. This Christmas, I want to invite us 
as Meister Eckhart calls us to, to become mothers of God. Guys, you can be fathers of God if you need to, but there's a mothering aspect within all of us. To let that new be born. Let us practice a devotional participation in the newness of that spirit. Let us look at the truth that this myth, this story, this fantasy illustrates for us, calls us to that love, that newness, that saying yes to something that wants to be born. And whether it's the sun of the solstice, whether it's the enlightenment of the Buddha, no matter what it is, allowing it to be born, saying yes to that within you. Asking the question, what wants to be born through me now, at this time in my life? What is my new baby? The power of this love is that the love pulls us past all the resistance. A strong enough love pulls us past all the resistance. We don't have to battle it. We don't have to fight it. The love, just like when the light comes on, the light just simply dissipates the dark. There's no big battle that comes on when we turn on the lights in the room. Light and dark going bang, 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 pulling out lightsabers at each other. Love just simply dissipates the resistance. It just allows us to say yes. And so when we are in love with that which wants to be born within us, with the newness which wants to come through us, when we allow ourselves to love that into existence, just like we would a baby, a newborn child, we create something more powerful than we've ever created before. I want to close with a quote from Eugene Kennedy, who wrote a biography on, or a a compilation of the works of uh, Joseph Campbell. And he says, although the word is popularly used to denote falsehood, myth, the word myth, is actually a perennial vehicle for expressing truth. Myth is a perennial vehicle for expressing truth. Human beings have always been told in mythic forms the stories they want to be remembered and passed on, such as the Arthurian legends or the enduring biblical tales. To distinguish them from the fashions, fads, and the constantly changing facts of our day. These are the myths are the vehicle for the eternal truths. Myth and symbol are fundamental and essential properties of all religions, and they are the special language of the spiritual experience. So I invite you today to listen to that language of the spiritual experience for you, to take it in, to allow the Christmas story to shine the light of truth into our minds and our hearts, touching that deep love and that ever-renewing birth of the divine within us. Are you willing to play with that this week? Yes. So let us take a breath, and we'll move into prayer. As Buffy so perfectly put it, there is only one. It goes by all these names, but there's only one, one infinite presence. There's something within all of humanity that recognizes and knows this, even if it doesn't conform to what we think it should be. There is still this one. Pure love, pure life, a beauty, a peace, a joy that passes the understanding of the intellect. This one. Breathe that in.
This one that shows up as the story of an innocent baby born to a virgin in humble circumstances. A myth that, a story that is throughout so many cultures. We are one of that one. Because it is infinite, there's no place for us to be outside of it. There is nowhere that that one is not, and so we, therefore we are one of it. It is within us. And so that love and that life and that light and that beauty and that peace and that joy that is the one is also the truth of us. Again, whether we remember it or forget it, it still is that. And so I speak my word on this sacred time, knowing that all times are sacred. That we open to that love, we open to that one, we open to the birth of that spirit that wants to be born specifically, uniquely through each one of us. We are all the only begotten sons and daughters of God because there is nobody else begotten like us. God is forever giving birth to itself. And I speak my word that we say yes to that birth as it is uniquely happening within each of us right here, right now. And so in gratitude for the light that we're saying yes to, in gratitude for the love that we're saying yes to, in gratitude for the great good that we're saying yes to, in gratitude for the knowing and the remembrance of our tr- the truth of our own wholeness and innocence, no matter what has happened in our lives, that we have that as our core. With that gratitude, I release this word into a law that moves into form and expression knowing how to show up perfectly for all of us, for each of us, to let this birth manifest and live and thrive through us. It is good. We are good. And so it is. Bless you. Merry Christmas.